That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, we are back for another uh, exciting episode of The Same Old Song. Aaron is currently looking, looking at me pensively, uh, probably reading a very upsetting email. But uh, um, I was just deep in the Drudge Report. Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, five Sundays in January, by the way, and we're now, so for those of you like St. Albans Waco that has morning prayer on the fifth Sunday, when that has happens, that's what we're doing. But, um, and also just a note to everybody, the Super Bowl is coming. Don't be planning anything that Sunday evening, um, so that you can let everybody have the freedom to watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat whoever they're playing. Wait, the... This is the third Sunday after Epiphany. We're still in January, right? I know, but I'm just telling you, February's coming. Oh, okay. So I'm just, you know, because preachers, I always have... some of them are not into the sports and they forget and they're, they're, they're planning some like prayer night <laughs> vigil and fasting. I always have my annual Super Bowl Sunday. We always have our annual meeting on Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, that's good. That's really wise. It's a way to test people's mm-hmm. loyalty. Mm-hmm. Although, do you, you, we both lived in Pittsburgh for a season. Do you remember people used to like what? We did. People used to wear their Pittsburgh jerseys to church. I've never seen that. Oh, not only the lay people, Jake, <laughs> the clergy with their Steelers stoles, which I have very mixed feelings I'm about. I'm totally against it. I think it's totally Rick Warrenish and blasphemous. So it's like wearing a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. Not to say that everything Rick Warrenish is blasphemous. No, no, but I mean, Hawaiian shirts. So anyway. <laughs> The Venn diagrams of things Jake doesn't like. <laughs> so anyway, but we are on the third Sunday after Epiphany. You just confused me with all the Super Bowl stuff because I don't pay attention to it hardly at all. See, that's what I'm saying because you are planning to well, have some sort of event I, on Super Bowl Sunday, I, and nobody's going to show up. I, to be like, well, why that's, are people it's here? It's the annual meeting. That's cool. But uh, I feel like that I follow the Jets, so my uh, football season always ends like oh, mid-November. Boy. So <laughs> it's like done. But. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, we've got some uh, great readings. But you're not here for sports no. stuff, listeners. You're here for the Bible and the sweet, sweet Word of God. Absolutely. So let's get into it for this uh, third Sunday after the Epiphany, uh, January 23rd. And it's important to reiterate, um, we're talking about revelation here. And uh, that's the that's yeah, the underlying epiphany. theme through that should be themed through your all your sermons during the season. Um, and so our readings are from Nehemiah chapter 8. A uh, whole series of skip verses, but it comes together. One to three, no <laughs> verse four, five and six, skip verse seven, and then eight through ten. Now, the, the reason why is four and seven are just a bunch of names, but, you know, that's very important. And then we continue blah, blah, with blah. the uh, Corinthian correspondence. I just threw up in my mouth. But First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, <laughs> verses 12 through 31a, don't you dare read B. And then uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. But uh, there's a lot going on in Nehemiah, and how is it connected to last week's reading there, Aaron? Well, you know, that was Isaiah talking about Israel being restored after being 
not metaphorically, but literally exiled when the Babylonians captured uh, and the Persians uh, let them Zion, go. Jerusalem, and yeah, and then the whole thing falls <laughs> apart, and they're all in exile. And so it's all about kind of coming back and being restored. That was a prophecy of restoration from Isaiah. And now in the book of Nehemiah, you have the fulfillment of the prophecy. And Nehemiah is this government official who's been given permission to go back to the ruins of Jerusalem and rebuild the city, rebuild the temple. And so the book of Nehemiah just describes that construction project and that whole process of what is going on. Um, But what has happened in this reading, as that Isaiah prophecy is fulfilled, is that the book of the law has been discovered as they're going through the rubble or whatever. And these are people that have been exiled for decades. Yeah. Even before that, when they were still in Jerusalem, they were not super great at reading their Bible <laughs> and being faithful to Yahweh. And they were not super great at following the book of the law. That's they were right. really good at worshiping uh, Astarte Baal. and other and Baal and all kinds of other pagan deities. Um, and so this is like new to them. This is This is like if you were raised in the church until like, and then like sixth, seventh grade, you caught your first whiff of adolescent atheism and you haven't been back to church since, you know, you completely abandoned mm-hmm. it in college. And then you got in, then you got hired by Goldman Sachs. You've just forgotten about the whole thing. Mortgages, kids, life mm-hmm. has been busy but because you have kids. Now you're back in church and you're hearing the Bible read for the first time. And you're like, oh my God, this is connecting directly to me. And what's beautiful about this is that it says just like it's the same today, that when you read the Bible, it's not some magic book you just read and people automatically understand it. Here, it says that somebody had to explain it to them. Uh, a big part of that is, is, is they're uh, probably, it's a big part of that too, is they're reading Hebrew and all of these people, like this is a couple, like they may not speak Hebrew, a lot of them. A lot of them yeah. probably speak in Aramaic and all sorts of things. So, yeah, and so and so they it says that they read from the book from the law of God with interpretations. So they had to explain it and give. And it says they gave the sense so that people understood the reading. Which hopefully, preacher, that is what you are doing in the pulpit, helping people understand the reading and uh, and what it is about. The other thing that's interesting is that this sounds an awful like an Episcopal church in that the people stand up when. So it says like they. Um, Ezra, open the book in the sight of all the people. That's what your deacon or maybe uh, some uh, member or minister in your congregation walks (coughs) for the gospel procession, if you do this in the Episcopal Church, walks into the middle of the congregation, opens the book, and it says, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And they said, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. And the people said, praise to you, Lord Christ. Not really. But it's the same sort of movement and the people stand up. There's a lot of talk about physical posture here, people standing to hear the word read, people bowing down, faces to the ground. Well, that's... Again, so I just, as an Episcopalian, I felt very much at home in this passage. And that's articulating, uh, the posture of their bodies is really articulating the posture of their hearts um, as it is being, uh, as the word of God is being read to them and they are being converted, you know, and uh, it says, you know, Ezra blessed the Lord and the great God and all the people answered, amen, amen. Let it be, let it be. And then it says, they lift their, up their hands. They lift up Gets their hands. Little, little Pentecostal. Pentecostal, but that, I mean, AKA showing their, like their need. And then uh, they bow their heads with and worship the Lord. So the reverence that comes with it, but the deep reverence because their faces are to the ground. And, uh, you know, and uh, this is kind of the, the, the physical posture is the posture of what's happening in their hearts as they're realizing as, as uh, you so beautifully said, uh, who was it? I think it was um, a rat that sang that very powerful metal song in the 80s. Don't know what you... Out and round? No, don't know what you got till it's gone. And, uh, you know, don't know what I had 
because it's been so long, long, long. And, uh, um, you know, and this is really what they're realizing. Rat with two T's yeah. for our listeners who are not Gen Xers. So, but uh, they, 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 you know, don't know what they got till it's gone. And they've realized they've been missing a great deal. And that is the very presence of God in their midst. And what's amazing, too, there's this beautiful law gospel moment at the end mm-hmm. of the passage in verses 9 and 10. So they read the word, and it says the Levites taught all the people, and they said, This day is holy to the Lord. Um, and and they say, do not mourn or weep, because all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Yeah. So this is people realizing they have completely failed th- th- to keep this. They haven't done this, in a, they haven't followed the rules, they haven't done all the stuff they're supposed to do with sacrifices, they haven't been eating the right things, uh, they, they've just been a lot of pork breaking knuckle. the rules a lot left of and right. A lot, a lot of bacon, <laughs> and a lot of cheeseburgers, a lot of lobster, and they just have been failing at all this and stuff. And so... They're weeping, and the response is beautiful. It's not, you know, yeah, you should be crying, or, yep, you are pretty terrible. And uh, But instead, the priests and Ezra and Nehemiah say, don't cry. And they tell them, go home and have parties. They say, go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine. Go have a party, and and also make sure that those who are poor among you maybe don't have a full refrigerator that you put something in the Tupperware and send some food over to them or call, you know, call Grubhub and have something delivered to their house because this day is holy to the Lord. So sometimes we think being holy and worshiping the Lord is about depriving ourselves and about being sad. And it's sort of like, and if you've seen Babette's Feast, it's like be like the uptight people that don't want to eat the feast mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, but no, he says, go party. And this connects to what we saw last week about Absolutely. in in Isaiah, the prophet says that when you are reunited, it's going to be like this great wedding feast. We saw that also last week in Jesus's wedding at the feast that's of, right. uh, uh, of the wedding at well, Cana they, in Galilee. Well, they are, they're so a crown that's, of that's beauty in the happen. hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You know, they're no longer yeah. forsaken. They're no longer desolate. God has redeemed them. And you know when and and the way this applies to you is that when God ha- God has redeemed you as well that's the promise of the gift of the gospel that comes to you in your baptism. So um indeed I mean it is not about like uh uh whipping yourself and you know but but rise and and have a party because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what I mean? And the yeah. joy of the Lord is yeah. not found in doing more. The joy of the Lord is found in your sins are forgiven. As we're about to see in the gospel, today this reading has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so that is the, that is our strength. And that's what you really want to nail on. You know, if you, Christian listener, whether you're a preacher or a pew sitter or whatever, um, there is pro- you, there are many people among you who probably feel bad about having a good time that you feel guilty about, let's say, watching a movie in the evening instead of answering more emails. Or you feel guilty about spending an afternoon in the hammock um, drinking a sweet tea versus um, doing the rest of the mulch. Or you feel guilty about not organizing all the papers that have piled up uh, on your desk as you know and you feel guilty when you uh, read a book instead and there's something about that guilt we feel about taking care of ourselves or guilt we feel about enjoying our lives or guilt we feel about enjoying our time with other people or guilt we feel about 
taking a rest or enjoying a sunset or going for a walk or the guilt we feel about, God forbid, eating chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. You know, uh, the guilt we feel about all these things uh, is connected to the law and not the gospel. And the people here hear the word of God read. They hear the law read. They feel guilty. And the the response of the community of faith and the leaders of this congregation is to um, enjoy the gift of God, enjoy uh, each other, go home, drink wine, eat food, enjoy each other, and make sure everybody can participate. And there's something, this, this kind of joyful enjoyment of what God has given us in life, um, and, and there's even an implication sort of going home and eating fat and drinking wine that that uh, the married couples among them will enjoy um, uh, the 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 intimacy in that relationship. All this is implied there, and it's just sort of like ha- like enjoy life, enjoy the people that are around you, enjoy your loved ones, enjoy the food. Um, uh, don't th- this guilt is actually not from the Lord, uh, or at least to stay in it. Like the message is, you've been forgiven. So as Jake, as your church's slogan says all the time, enjoy your forgiveness. That's, right. That's what it looks like. Not to continue to beat yourself up as if your sins aren't forgiven. No, your sins are forgiven. God has restored these people to Israel. The, the city's being rebuilt. Like it's, let's not continue to uh, hate ourselves for things that we did a long time yeah. ago. Um, so if, yeah, anyways, that's, uh, it's kind of a long way of saying enjoy your forgiveness, but that's my point. Yeah. And well, and then uh, we see how this, you know, especially the sharing of the fat of the land that comes from an understanding of grace and the joy of the Lord. We see that played out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31, our epistle reading. And uh, Paul really talks about us um, as a body here. And I love this thing. Spiritual gifts don't come from nowhere. You know what I mean? Spiritual gifts come from the Spirit. And uh, how are we given the Spirit? Well, Paul right here in the opening uh, verses says, For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. So this uh, pouring of the spirit and this giving of the spirit and gifts is linked immediately to our baptism. Yeah, and what's incredible here, we see this fruit of the gospel, this fruit of the preaching of the gospel, is you have a community that blows people's minds because it's there's no other community like this on the planet in the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And it's still pretty rare today that you have Jews, Greeks, slaves, and free and all made to drink of one spirit. We're all part of one body. Mm. The, 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 the QAnon Trump lovers and the Prius driving triple vaccinated, uh, uh, you know, progressive folks, like that's as far apart as Jews and Greeks. I mean, yeah. like think about the most diametrically opposed groups of people. And he's saying you're one body. Mm. And, uh, you know, when people join St. Albans and I always tell them, if you need a church where everybody agrees with you, this ain't it. And Mm -hmm. honestly, the church has not been a uniform, uh, homogeneous group ever in its history. And if you do find a church that way, I would say watch out. If a church needs everybody to be the same, it actually doesn't reflect this new, like we're the same in our love for Jesus Christ, but we all come from very different places. And that diversity is a gift of God. And you see this playing out in the community because as Paul says, it's like we're a body. So you're, you're not all toes. We're not all elbows. A body works because it has many different parts and the diversity is a gift. And it's, it's so that the body can serve and the body can love others and do all these things. So it's very good that we're very different. That's, and that's a fruit of the gospel. Boy, that's uh, very powerful. And, uh, you know, and um, 
Uh, there's a great story that Michael Curry tells about when, when his father became an Episcopalian. His uh, father... Was, Presiding Bishop of the Episcopal Church. His father was an itinerant Baptist preacher initially and was dating this woman who was an Episcopalian. And anyway, uh, she went to church, you know, she would go with him to his big tent revivals. And then she, uh, he went with her one day. And, you know, it was a typical uh, service. And uh, they were coming down the aisle and giving the, the chalice. And he was like looking as this cup was coming down and everybody was taking, drinking from the same cup. And at the end of the service, you know, she was like, so what'd you think? And he was like, well, you know, I, I mean, I guess the sermon was all right, but any church where a black man and a white man can drink from the same cup has got something going on. And uh, really that's right. what the gospel does is that it brings us all together. And, uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, and I love this metaphor of us being a body and how even the insignificant parts of the body. So I have a friend. It's an interesting story. When he was a kid, he lost his pinky toe. We were talking about pinky toes earlier. And, you know, and everybody was like, pinky toe, no big deal. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't need a pinky toe. And uh, he lived his life. He's lived his whole life without a pinky toe. But now he's having like massive, massive hip problems and back problems because uh, the pinky toe has been gone and, uh, you know, was neglected. And uh, it has thrown his whole body off kilt now. At like, you know, 40, he's basically like in a walker. And uh, it's really... Um, Man. So it's all of these things are very, very significant. And uh, so, so when you say your prayers tonight, look at your look down at your little pinky toe and and, and thank the and Lord. And thank the Lord, but and remember that uh, you know, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? No. Are every is everybody a pinky toe? Absolutely not. You know, but uh, but we all have a part to play and a role, and we honor the inferior members and we honor the lower members. And you're absolutely right. If everybody's looking the same, the gospel is probably not being preached at all. Right. If everybody in your church looks like they all shop the same clearance rack at Target, uh, or all have basically the same AGI mm -hmm. on their tax form, uh, I'm not saying you preacher. If that's your church, you're doing something wrong, but. But um, well, I, just note that. And I do think, though, that, that it's evident. I mean, uh, we can talk about our own church. I mean, you know, it's a, you know, it's pr predominantly sixty-five-year-old old people. You know, white white CNN watching old people, and that's because. But we talk a whole game of diversity. But the but the but when you talk about diversity in the sense of the law, and we've got to be diverse, and we've got to do this, and we've got to do that. It kills diversity every time. Uh, the point is, is that the Spirit creates this diverse community. And it creates it through baptism, through the preaching of the Word, through the preaching of the Gospel, which says that everybody needs forgiveness. And that, I mean, everybody's got a need for Jesus. And, uh, and not Jesus' helper, not Jesus is helping us meet our diverse goals, but Jesus as salvation. And, uh, and man, that is for Jew, that's for Greek, that's for free, that's for slave, that's for male, that's for female, that's for everybody. And he begins to pull this body of people together that would never hang out, ever. And he creates this yep. incredible community um, that, uh, that strives for a greater gift. And uh, we'll talk about that next week. <clears throat> well, and the final thing I would say is that the reason this can happen... The reason you can have a community where rich and poor respect one another, the reason you can have a community where the conservative and the progressive can listen to one another, um, the reason you can have the country club people and the country line dancing people getting along um, is because 
if if preached and if received by the grace of God and through the Holy Spirit, the message of the gospel weakens and undermines those exterior identities that yes. we use to rank <clears throat> and classify Amen. people. Because it says that all of that stuff is fundamentally meaningless in terms of securing your worth, your value, your identity as a human being. You are loved and it has nothing to do with what kind of shoe you wear, what clubs you belong to, or how much money is in your bank account. In fact, it says you're actually a sinner and uh, the only ground you have to stand on is the blood of Jesus. And so if that's, that's a great equalizing thing about human beings, and if that's at the core of your community, it then creates this place where people don't have to measure up. We were, I was watching Kim's Convenience, which is this Canadian sitcom yeah. about a, fam, a Korean family in Toronto that has a convenience mm-hmm. store. Yeah, it's, and uh, the, the, the family goes to this Korean church, and there's a, um, the pastor <laughs> is like sort of well-meaning, but maybe, I don't know, needs some mentoring because there's the women are sorting donations of clothing that have been given to the church i guess for the thrift shop or something for the needy the underprivileged as they say and the guy comes in he's like oh mrs park you're the best you've brought in like more clothes than i've ever seen i was so impressed until mrs kim brought in twice the amount and there's like all this like shade being thrown and the looks that mrs kim and mrs park are giving each other and and that's contrary to the gospel, like measuring performance and keeping score. That's what causes the kinds of divisions that leads to the breakup of churches. But if the gospel is preached, it doesn't matter, as the Lord said, whether you started working in the vineyard at the beginning of the day and worked all day, or whether you came in just at the end and worked for five minutes, everybody receives the gift of God, mm-hmm. the, the salvation that comes through grace. And if that's the kind of community you have, then you don't need to worry about uh all these th- ways that people divide each other. So you'll never get diverse communities to love and respect each other if you just tell them, hey, just do it. But if you remind everybody that we're all sinners and we're all loved and we're all saved by grace, that begins to um, have the kind of love where you can, you know, every, I'm always struck by it. I've, I've heard Cornell West speak a number of times. He spoke at Baylor a few years ago, I actually took a classroom in college and, uh, and I, he spoke at our clergy conference here in Texas. And whenever he talks about anybody and, and, Cornel West is a Christian. Mm-hmm. He loves the Lord Jesus yeah. Christ, and you can't you can't deny it if you hear him speak. And he he'll be you know somebody asked him a question about uh, Donald Trump, who's you know politically on the opposite side, and, and Cornell will start talking about Which, Brother Donald. Yeah. He just Brother Donald. Well, Brother Donald and I we don't always agree on things, and he just calls everybody brother or sister, whether he agrees with them or not, mm-hmm. and that's what this kind of gospel community looks yeah. like. Um, so the next time you are hating somebody on social media, just remember that that is someone for whom Christ died. Call, okay, end of that speech. Call him brother or sister for a couple of weeks. Um, That's and right. then, uh, brother Luke, Jake. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. This is such a great, um, a great passage where Jesus uh, reveals an epiphany about himself once again. Now, how this, um, basically what is Jesus, the hometown rabbi, you know, kid, Kid grew up there, you know, comes back and they're like, why don't you take the pulpit this week, Jesus? And he's like, well, don't mind if I do, you know? And so they bring out the law. I'm sure just like in the Nehemiah reading, everybody stood up and he begins to teach in their, uh, in the synagogue and was praised by everyone. But here he, he comes in and he begins to read this. Now, the way this passage is oftentimes preached is wrong. Uh, the way it's preached is, is they'll take the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, 
those people over there, uh, release to the captives, those people over there, recovery of sight to the blind, those people over there, oppressed, those folks over there, not me. But uh, really, the good news of the gospel hits when you can begin to preach and say, this is about me. I'm the captive. I'm the poor. I'm the blind. And the people in your congregation, a lot of them are feeling poor. You know what I mean? Maybe not poor financially, maybe poor financially, but poor in spirit. They're feeling separated from God. They feel captive. They're held captive to some sort of addiction. You know, they've been drinking a little more. They're blind. They don't see anything that's right in front of them, but they're looking back and they're like, oh my God, what happened? And they're feeling oppressed. And uh, this is where the good news of Jesus comes and uh, hits them because uh, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and, uh, and you are beloved in God. Yeah, and I would just say that everybody sort of already knows that the church is supposed to take care of the down and out yeah. and the poor and the imprisoned and stuff. And hopefully your church is doing that in some way, shape, or form. Um, but if your sermon is all about social issues, as important as they are, you're not telling anybody anything they don't already know. Mm -hmm. And if the Lord leads you to speak about those things, do, but don't neglect to mention the individual existential impact of this sermon that Jesus uh, gives and really he just reads this he doesn't even really give much of a sermon the only thing he says that's his own content is today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing um and then he sits down i mean, I mean he's like he like drops the mic like jim morrison at the end of his one appearance on the ed sullivan and show. right here jesus is actually giving us all a lesson in preaching uh the scriptures are not a lot of people read the scriptures so the way i just talked about this passage earlier is the yearbook interpretation yearbook hermeneutics you know what i mean i'm looking through the bible and i'm doing what i did with my yearbook i'm looking for myself first and jesus yep. uh is like no 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 when you're reading the old testament when you're reading the scriptures don't look for yourself um here i am and here's where i'm fulfilling it and uh, that's a very important uh, preacher uh, lesson jesus is giving you his herm the hermeneutic uh, for Christian preaching, and it's him. Yep, and and I will say that to the extent that you do find yourself, what you find <laughs> the bad guy. is you're the blind, yeah. the captive. <laughs> yeah, you're the you're the captive, imprisoned, blind, poor person, and so um, this, as Jesus says, you're quoting Isaiah that the gospel is good news, mm. and it is freedom, and if the people leave your church on Sunday after you've preached and they don't feel like they've heard good news and they don't feel like they've been freed, I would humbly and lovingly ask you to re-examine what you're saying. Um, uh, you preach the law, yes, but make sure you leave them with the gospel ringing in their ears and please don't save the law from the jaws of the gospel at the end of your sermon, yeah. by which I mean Proclaim freedom, proclaim grace, proclaim the forgiveness of sins, but don't do the thing at the end where you say, but don't get crazy. Like, the just leave sermon. the gospel. Yeah, that's right. Let us, yeah, people use let, let us, us at the end, us, which, are, which is like preacher's way of, let us be a people, or sometimes the may we. May we, which is the most <laughs> passive aggressive, manipulative thing. Like, no, there's no we here. It's like when the waiter comes up and says, how are we doing tonight? It's like, no, this is not about you. This You want to know how I'm doing, and I'll tell you I'm hungry, I'd like to order my food. <laughs> so no may we, no let us. This is the law uh -huh. put in palatable language. Just end with and your you. sins are forgiven, and 
today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Enjoy your forgiveness. Absolutely. And what you do in that is you wind up veiling God and hiding him again. Um, and uh, what you, If you do the other yeah. thing, not what no, I just no. said, but the other yeah, thing. And, uh, the may we and the let us. You're hiding God. Um, what you want to do is unveil him. And, uh, you know, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, you are, uh, you've had good news brought to you. Uh, you have been released. Um, uh, God willing, this word has opened your eyes. You know what I mean? And uh, has set you free. Have you seen Office Space, Jake? Uh, it's been a long time. Movie by Mike mm-hmm. Judge starring Jennifer yeah. Aniston and some other people. But what's interesting about it is that Jennifer Aniston plays a waitress at a restaurant that's kind of like TGI Fridays. Yeah. And she is... Um, reprimanded by her boss for not wearing enough pieces of flair, like <laughs> yeah. buttons on her suspenders and all that. Um, those jokey little uh, tchotchkes that they all wear at those places. And, which I don't think they do anymore. This is very much a kind of 80s and 90s phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But she says, you know, I'm doing the minimum, I'm wearing the minimum 32 pieces of flair. And is, is, aren't I fulfilling the rules? And he says, well, you know, I, is that all you want to do? And I mean, if that's enough for you, I guess that's okay. But is that really who you want to be? And it's that sort of, that's that's how sermons feel when people are like, may we be the kind of people that, or let us be people who reflect the community that's described in this passage. Like, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like not telling me directly to change and I'm not doing a good job, but it's like hinting at it. And again, if you're not doing it, preacher, then your congregation is absolutely not going to do it. And um, remember that the law ultimately ends with Jesus Christ saying in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as my heavenly father yeah. is perfect. And if you can't do that, then you need a savior. So let your sermon end in that. So that fine. That's my last little illustration. I don't know if that's helpful or not. We've, we've gone on too long, but on this third Sunday of the Epiphany, January 23rd, if you're having your annual meeting, just make sure people hear the gospel and that the, the sermon is good news. Amen. Well, we will uh, see you all next week as we continue our jaunt through the Epiphany. We'll see you then. Somebody's looking, somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, will the stone got rolled away. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll. 